Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Man, first, let's start off, man. Happy New Year to everybody, right? I hope everybody had an, uh, an amazing holiday season, a great New Year. Uh, you know you're getting older because I stayed in bed for the 31st, and I'm not ashamed to say that. It was me and my wife, and I had my beautiful dog next to me. It's his first New Year. Um, so it was about 11.50. I, had fell, I fell asleep from like 10 p.m. And I told my wife, listen, just wake me up like around 11.50. So she woke me up and she brought like a little bit of champagne. I took a sip. All right, honey, good night. See ya. That's it. So you know you're getting older when that happens. Because I remember years ago, right, like, man, I was so excited for New Year's. And we would go out and be a big party and so festive. And this year I'm like, man, my body hurts. I'm done with that. <laughs> so happy New Year to you guys. And as Pastor was saying... Um, I don't believe it's coincidence that last year, 2020, I preached the first first message of the year. And now, without him even knowing, he asked me again to share on the first Sunday of the year. And it's crazy because I said, man, let me look at what I preached last year. And the message that I preached was titled, Who Are You? Right? And I started looking over my notes, and I'm like, wow, man, this is crazy. And... I I have to read it to you. I took this out from an expert on my notes from last year. It says, don't let your struggle dictate your identity. Let your identity in Christ dictate how you're going to conquer your struggle, right? And that got me thinking. I'm like, wait a minute. Did I apply that in 2020, right? Did I use that? What I preached, what I opened the door preaching the new year with, did I actually walk in it? Did I actually walk in it? And you know, it's crazy because you start looking back at the struggles that, that we've gone through in 2020, and you're like, wow, wait a minute, man. Did I walk in victory or did I walk in defeat? But anyway, you know what? 2020 is a thing of the past now, right? It's a thing of the past. It's a new year. But I'm sure that we could all agree that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Absolutely. He never changes despite our circumstances. He remains king no matter what the year is. No matter what the year is, 2020, a thing of the past, right? I feel like 2020 just passed in a blink of an eye. So much was endured, but man, it happened so fast. And here we are, another year, 2021. So what has 2020 taught us? What has it taught you? You guys are in the splash zone, just so you know, because I already see myself spitting. (laughs) Forewarning you. So what has it taught us? How has 2020 grown us? I'm sure if we go around the room, everyone could say, something, some type of growth that they've experienced, a lesson that was taught, something that God had revealed to you, right, in 2020, because we all have those experiences, even outside of 2020, right, just through our regular lives, we could testify to something, testify to God's goodness, and I know that last year has brought out many different things in many of us, but I can tell you for certain that in 2020, God has taught me that he is faithful, Because if we could endure what we have endured into 2020, I know that we could persevere through anything. If we could face and walk through what we walked through in 2020, man, the rest of this life is cake. It's cake. 
And many things in my life rose up last year that needed to be dealt with. And maybe that's some of you guys. Maybe things came out under stress. Maybe things came out under anxiety that you had to confront for the first time. This is crazy. I experienced anxiety very bad for the first time this year. And it's going to be over something. You're going to be like, really? I got a puppy back in May or April. I got a puppy. And that was the most dreadful thing I thought in this world. How can a little ball of joy, a little bundle of joy, bring me so, so much anxiety, waking me up at 3 in the morning, barking and crying every night for two weeks? I go, I made the biggest mistake. But there was no refund on this puppy because my wife would have killed me. But I thought so many times, how am I going to break the news to her that I, I can't handle this dog? This dog is driving me insane. And that brought into me anxiety like I've never experienced before. And that's crazy. From something so minuscule, right? From something so small. <laughs> so many things that rose up that I needed to deal with. But good thing is that God is in a business. And he's in the restoration business, if you know what I'm talking about. Things in me were broken, but they got restored. Things got mended. Things got put back together. And not on my own accord, right? It's by his grace and his grace alone. Because outside of Christ, we have no power. We know this, right? We understand that. So how many of us can say yes and amen that by his grace we have been restored? We've been restored by his grace. And I'm sure that we could all agree that it is because of his goodness and his grace that we are all made whole again. Many lessons were learned, many tears were shed, much anxiety over my dog I dealt with, right? Much stress was carried. Does this sound like some of you guys in here? Does this sound like a 2020 that maybe some of you experienced? Right? We dealt with a lot. And 2020, a thing of the past, but now we push forward. We don't look behind, as Paul says. We're, we strain forward. We strain forward in what the Lord is calling us to in, in opportunities that God is placing before us. And if you're taking notes today, that's the name of the message is opportunity. Right? So in 2020, I preached, who are we? In 2021, now it's the opportunity that God has placed before me. But with a new year comes new opportunities. Right? And what opportunity has God placed in your court this year? Because everybody has an opportunity that he is placing in, within you. A bigger question may be this, is what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the opportunity that God has given you? And what is opportunity? Right? Let's dive into this. What does a dictionary define opportunity as? It says, it is a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. And crazy thing is, is that we all have an opportunity, an opportunity to do something for the kingdom. If you have taken on the banner of Jesus, if you have taken on the identity of a disciple, the identity of being a follower of Christ, you have an opportunity to do something for his kingdom here on earth. And everyone that is in Christ is able to be used. Able to be used. Everyone. But before we can be used for his kingdom, we have to make sure that we are walking in his ways. All right? And last year taught me, man, that many things in my life needed to be put to death so that my opportunity could be effective. A lot of things need to be put to death so my opportunity can thrive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Right, and we see this through a lot of scripture. We see that things must die so that new things may rise. Many struggles in our walk need to be confronted. And we must 
put to death things that entangle us. Man, I'm preaching to myself here, 100%. Many things try to entangle me on a daily basis. And it's a constant struggle. It's a constant battlefield, right? It's a constant spiritual battle that we are facing here. Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of great witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Throw off everything. Everything. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Things that hinder our walk, hinder our opportunity. We can't be proclaiming something, yet we walk in opposition of the very thing that we're proclaiming. Right? <laughs> That's something that maybe is called hypocrisy. Right. Listen, I'm not saying, let's not get this twisted. I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying that, that we're going to walk straight every single time. But we can't be a person that is preaching one thing, yet our lifestyle is saying something completely different. We're not perfect. We will fail. But when we fail, His grace abounds, right? His grace is there and His mercies are new every single day. Every single day, God's mercies are new. And as believers, you know, we get to a place where we long to walk in the Lord's obedience. It's something that we want. And I pray that we're all there. I pray that we wake up and we just have such a hunger and a thirst for his word. We have a hunger and a thirst for his ways. We have a hunger and thirst to communicate with the Lord, right, in prayer and in fellowship. That's something that as you mature as a believer that we all get to that place. But there's things that, you know, we once did that are now put away. They're put to death. Our, flesh, our fleshly desires are crucified. And the word says to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and follow him. Have you been denying yourself? Have you been picking up your cross? Have you been following him? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And you see, even Paul got to a place where he recognized that things needed to be put to death, right? And at what point does somebody become a man or a woman? And it may be different for everybody. But I'm going to say, for me, it wasn't when I was able to pay my car insurance. It wasn't when I got my first apartment. It wasn't when I got my first real job. It wasn't when I got married. It was when I died to myself and I surrendered everything to Jesus. That's when I transitioned from a child to an adult. Right? Things are put away. Fleshly desires are put to death. And we begin to now walk in an authority that we are called to. We are restored because of His grace. Because of His grace. Man, and we have to know who we are. Right? We've got to know who we are in Christ. And Scripture is... It's everywhere in Scripture who God says you are, right? Who God says we are. We need to know who we are so we can function in our opportunity, so our opportunity can be used with authority. You have to know who you are. Who do you identify with? Who identifies with you? Know that you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you, right? There is a fire that lives within 2 Corinthians says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Though the old has passed, and behold, the new has come. You are a new creation. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, his own special people. We have been adopted and are heirs of a kingdom. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are of his own special people. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provide that we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. We are his children. And we are heirs of Christ. Know who you are. Know who you are. Back to the message of 2020. Who are you? Know who you are. Who scripture says you are. And because we've been adopted into his family and are heirs of another kingdom, an opportunity has now presented itself. Know who you are in Christ so that you can be effective in your opportunity. If you have the spirit of the living Lord in you, the spirit of the living God in you, then you're being called to greatness. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Will you let it slide or will you take advantage? How many times has an opportunity presented itself to you guys? Man, it has been brushed off. And then you go back later and you're like, man, I wish I would have jumped on that. I messed up. You dumb messed up, man. You dumb messed up. We've missed opportunities in our daily lives. Man, I should have jumped on it when I had a chance. Like what would have happened? Think about this. What would have happened if you would have walked through a certain door that was made available for you to walk through, but you chose not to walk through it? We're never going to know. And I'm not saying that every door is the right door, right? Because sometimes doors open, but man, that's not a door from the Lord, right? But we're going to know when the right door is. We're going to know, right, because the Spirit speaks to us. How many doors have we missed? How many doors haven't been placed before us that we chose not to walk through? We will never know. We will never know. That's because that's why we have to remain vigilant for future opportunities placed before us. And so many times we don't want to walk through an opportunity for several reasons. We're scared, right? We're lazy, maybe. We're comfortable. I know comfort's a very big one for me. And maybe, you know, it's just, that could be just something that it's, it's relevant in everybody's life. A lot of people don't like to get out of their comfort zones. I do not like to get out of my comfort zone at all. Me standing here is outside of my comfort zone. That is for sure. I do not like standing up here. I have, I, okay, when I first started preaching, I had the biggest fear of public speaking. The biggest fear. In my classes in high school, I never raised my hand. I never participated. I don't know if when you guys went to uh, college, I went to Miami-Dade, and I despised when the professor would come up the first day of, um, of the course and say, okay, I want everyone to go one by one, stand up, say what your name is, your major is, and say what, where you want to be in five years. Um, bathroom break, right? Man, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. That's out of my comfort zone. Another reason why we don't take or walk through certain doors is maybe because of a risk, Right? We don't want to risk certain things. We don't want to risk what, what we have now. What if, what if I lose what I have now? What if it's not a good move? But man, if you live in the what ifs, how do you advance if you live in what ifs? How do you, how do you advance? How can we ever advance without getting out of our comfort zone, without taking risks? Or let's use some Christian lingo here, without taking a leap of faith, right? How do you advance without taking the leap of faith? Does that sound familiar? 
I've used that many times. Man, honey, I'm taking a leap of faith here. That's why I'm going to buy a brand new, uh, I want to buy a boat, and I want to get a new mountain bike. I'm just taking a leap of faith, and I know we're going to be okay, but, you know, the Holy Spirit's really speaking to me, and there's just these trails, and I've been speaking to Lou Rock about them, and I really want to join the guys mountain biking, and there's this new paintball gun that I want to get. Come on, man, you take a leap of faith. That's all it is, man. <laughs> How do we advance if we stay stagnant in our current situation, Right? Let's take our jobs, for example. And let me put a little side note to this. This is an, an ideal workplace, okay? A workplace where there's morals and values and fairness. And I don't know if too many of those workplaces exist anymore, but I'm sure there has to be one out there. So in an ideal workplace, we advance because you have displayed certain qualities, right? Maybe your boss has seen leadership in you. That's a good quality to have, right? That you're able to lead people. Maybe he has seen that you're a trustworthy individual. Maybe you've displayed integrity, right? You do the right thing when nobody is looking. Integrity is a very big word used in police work. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm a part-time cop. So integrity is something very big, right? We always got to be doing the right thing even when nobody is looking. So have you shown qualities in your workplace that set you apart, and these are all things that employers look at in a fair environment, right? In a fair work environment. Employers are looking at this. And because maybe you have displayed such qualities, you are able now to advance, right? New opportunities become available because of what you have displayed. And I'll catch this. I believe this works the same in the spiritual. Are you displaying qualities that God can use for the advancement of his kingdom? Qualities that are displayed, when qualities are displayed, then opportunities are presented. And what opportunity has God placed upon you? Everyone has one. If you're walking in Christ, an opportunity is, is inside of you, whether it has been unleashed yet or not, there is an opportunity there to advance the kingdom, to advance the gospel. And it's different in everyone. And everyone has a different gift. I hope we're utilizing the gifts, right? I always say this. One of my greatest fears is that I reach 80 years old. And I look back on my life and I say, Lord, I know you gave me this opportunity, but I was too scared. I was too lazy. I was too shy. There was too much risk. I was not capable, right? And the list could go on and on of excuses. And now, Lord, here I am, wishing I could have walked through the door that you opened for me. A little bit too late. Right, man, how much time haven't we wasted? How much time hasn't been spent living in fear, living in worry, living in, man, this is too risky for me. Lord, I, I, I don't know if this is from you. Right, isn't it crazy how when an opportunity presents itself, we come up with all the questions as why not to walk through it? All the time. All the time, right? A new job. Okay. You're applying for jobs. They call you. You get an interview. Man, I don't know. This might not be the job for me. And get, listen, it might not be the job for you, right? It might not be. But how many times hasn't that happened? How many times hasn't that happened? How many opportunities have you missed? And when is enough enough? Like, when does one move from the realm of being a casual Christian to being sold out for things of his kingdom. 
know, there's a minister that I follow, and he says this all the time. He says, casual Christians will be the first casualties. That's crazy, huh? <laughs> casual Christians will be the first casualties. I don't want to be a casual Christian. I never wanted to be one back then. I don't want to be one now, and I don't want to be one going into the future, right? I want to be somebody, man, that when we walk into a place, we're walking into a place with authority, right? Authority, not because of our own authority, but because we carry the authority of the living God in us, right? That we walk into a room, man, that darkness must flee because there is too much light protruding through us. That's the type of Christian that I want to be. So let's talk about his kingdom for a second. And try to remember these words I'm going to say because they're going to come up again. You don't need to know a lot to do great things for the Lord. You don't need to have an eye, a high IQ, a degree, a great job. You don't need to be a theologian or a great scholar. You don't need to come from a good family or be wealthy. There's just a few amazing, majestic, important things, and you need to be willing to live for them and to lay your life down for them. You see, because it's not what you know, it's what you are gripped by. What has your attention? What has you so involved that you can't let it go? What revolves around your world that everyone knows you by? What are you gripped by? And this is what happened to me two years ago. You know, I came to the Lord about in 2015. I came to the Lord. And as I started diving deeper into things and, and God started ministering to my heart, I started to notice that I was becoming more gripped by him and less gripped by the world, right? And I'm sure you guys could testify of the same thing. And that's when I decided that, man, God is calling me to more. He's calling me to more, to greater things. And one day I just told my boss, I'm not going to be here much longer. I don't know what the Lord has planned for me, but I'm not going to be working in police work for the rest of my life full time. I'm not going to do it. And sure enough, a, you know, months pass, a year passes, and a two-year mark comes, and I sit down with my boss, and the day's here. And I'm, I'm giving you plenty of notice. I'm, I'm done. February 1st of 2019 now, of 2019, that's my last day. And I left police work. Why? Because God was calling me to something greater. And what was that greater? A lot of you guys know I do a lot of street ministry. And I started dedicating time to street ministry. And I started going out and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. I started going out and I started seeing people's lives being revived through the word that I was preaching. Right? So I took the opportunity that God has placed upon me and I ran with it. Was I scared? Absolutely. Absolutely I was scared. I was terrified to hold the microphone. The first time that Rigo had asked me to come up here and do announcements, I was shaking. <laughs> Welcome, Nest Church. Come on, man. How do I go from that? How do I go from being terrified to, man, to, to ministering to souls out there? Right? Because I seized an opportunity. Amen. Amen. I seized an opportunity, man. What do you grip by? Let's speak on a man that was gripped by kingdom work. Some of you guys may know this story. This happened a few years back. There was a man named John Chow. This was in 2018. He was a 26-year-old American adventure blogger, a beef jerky marketer, and an evangelical missionary. This man was killed by an isolated tribe he was trying to convert to Christianity. Okay, John Chow. Some of you guys may know this story. 
the most isolated tribe in the world. They're located in North Centennial Island. It's in the Bay of Bengal. It's, it's like kind of off the coast of India. 700 miles off the coast of India to be exact. And there reside the Sentinelese people. They're not the friendliest people. Okay? <laughs> They've almost had no contact with the outside world for like thousands of years. They're an indigenous tribe. It's illegal to actually go to this island, right? The government of India no longer allows people to approach. I believe you have to, it's a 400-yard perimeter around the island that no boats could go into. And they don't allow people go, to go really for two reasons. One, because they've been very hostile to outsiders. Anytime somebody that's obviously not part of their tribe goes in, it's not a good ending. And number two... Um, because it's possible if someone from the outside makes contact with someone from in the tribe, there could be introduced diseases um, and sicknesses that the tribe is not vaccined against, um, and they could catch it and they could wipe out their entire civilization. So that's really the main two reasons why nobody's allowed there. But this man, John Chow, was so convicted to take the gospel to these people no matter the cost. So John, what he did... He visited the surrounding islands several times. I believe he went about five or six times to the surrounding islands just to get acquainted, right, to scope things out, to talk to people on those islands, to, to get information on the Sentinelese tribe. And John came across a group of local fishermen that he ended up paying off, and uh, these guys agreed to take John to the perimeter 400 yards out, and from there he would have to go on a kayak, right, to, to reach to the island. So that's what he did. He paid them. And despite the warnings, everybody told him, John, don't go. You're going to risk your life. It's not worth it. Do not go there. John was so convicted. He says, man, I'm going to do what's necessary, right? So during John's trip, he had a journal with him. And if you guys can, research this because it's such an amazing story. He had, he had a journal with him. And one of the writings in the journal, he said this. He said a prayer. He said, Lord, is this island Satan's last stronghold where none have heard your name? John was on a mission. He wanted to share the love of God with these people so bad. So John's first attempt, he approached the island on his kayak, right? And he brought these people fish. He brought them a soccer ball. And he brought them Bibles as a gift. So he starts kayaking up, and, and I guess from afar, he sees that there's four tribe members just on the beach looking at him. So he gets off of his kayak, and he's like, my name is John. I love you, and Jesus loves you. Those are his first words to these people. Obviously, they have no idea what this man is saying. They speak a dialect and a language that we have no idea what it is. And he's like, look, guys, I have legs just like you guys. I have arms. I'm the same as you. So the tribe members look at each other, and one of the youngest ones just grabs his arrow, his bow and arrow, launches an arrow at John. John holds up his Bible and, and pierces the Bible. He drops it. He's hanging on to the Bible. He drops his kayak, and he swims a mile back to the boat, or he begins more journal entries. <laughs> this time in one journal entry, he writes to his parents, I love you all, and this is so powerful, and I pray that none of you love anything more in this world than Jesus Christ. These are all the entries that he's writing to his family, to his friends, right? And another entry says that he didn't want to die. He wasn't there on a, suicide mission, on a suicide mission, but he was prepared to die for the cause of the gospel. His last attempt comes, and he writes his final entry, and he says, I'm scared, 
but it's worth to declare Jesus to these people. So the next morning, November 16th, John hands his journal to the fishermen of the boat, and he tells them, I'm not coming back this time. I'm going to stay on the island no matter what happens. John counted the cost. He dove into the water, never to be seen again. His body was never recovered. You see, he was so gripped by the Spirit to share the gospel that he did what was necessary. John's life was gripped by something that he was willing to die for, and he did. He paid it. He paid the price. He counted the cost. Body never recovered. So I ask you, is this a tragedy? Is it a tragedy? Is it a tragedy? No. Absolutely not. A man willing to give his life so that others can hear, hear the gospel, gripped by something so supernatural. A man that lived his life for one cause, to preach Christ crucified, no matter the outcome. He left a legacy, right? A legacy that people could point to him and say, John, that man pointed me to the cross. John, that's a man of God. John, that guy will go to the extents of this earth to have Jesus' name proclaimed. He left a legacy. John demonstrated what it looks like to seize an opportunity. He seized the opportunity and he ran with the opportunity that God had placed before him. Is this a tragedy? Somebody shout out an answer. I'm going to show you what a tragedy is. John Piper preached a sermon called Don't Waste Your Life. He preached this on May 20th, May 20th of 2000 to 40,000 college students in Memphis. And he starts with this. You don't need to know a lot to do great things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in this world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Catch this. People that make a difference in this world, they're not people that have mastered a lot of things. They are people that have been mastered by a few things. If you want your life to count, you don't have to have a high IQ or a high EQ. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have good looks. You don't have to be from a good family or a good school. You just have to know a few basic, simple, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay your life down for them, which is why anybody in this crowd can make a worldwide difference because it's not what is inside of you, it's what you are gripped by. What are you mastered by? What are you gripped by? Later in the sermon, Piper reads a short article from Reader's Digest. I haven't read, I don't even think Reader's Digest is still around. That is, like I remember reading Reader's Digest when I was like in early high school or middle school, right? That's not around anymore. So he reads an article from Reader's Digest, and the title of the article is this. This is awesome. Start now, retire early. And here's the article. It's very short. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago. When he was 59 and she was 51, now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida. 
or they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. And there are people in this country spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. Don't buy that dream, the American dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells. as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account for what you did with your life. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. <laughs> and I got a good swing. Look at my baseball swing, God. Lord, look at my boat. Look at my 30-foot boat, God. Look at my boat. That's a tragedy. Chasing a perishable crown, but not us. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says this, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. We are chasing something that is eternal, something that is everlasting. It wasn't a tragedy for John Chow. As Paul would have said, he finished the race and he finished well. Finish the race well. Not everyone is called to be a John Child, right? But we are called to something. You are called to something. Man, how about the Christian dream, right? What's the Christian dream? Preaching Christ crucified. That's what my Christian dream is. That's what your Christian dream should be, to preach Christ crucified. It doesn't have to be on a platform like this. It doesn't have to be out in the streets. Man, start from within. Start with your own family. Start with your own friends. Start multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. Right? Imagine how much we can multiply in one year of preaching Christ crucified. The circle starts this small, but by the time you know you have an entire county. From the county, you have an entire state. From the state, you have an entire country now that knows Jesus. Amen. Amen. Paul says something in Acts 20, 24. I love this verse. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if I may only finish my course. And some translations say, if I may only finish the race. And the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That doesn't sound like an American dream to me. Paul is saying, my life is worth nothing. I don't count it as any gain unless I finish with the opportunity that the Lord has placed before me. What are you doing with your gifts? What are you doing with your opportunity? What are you living for? Are we living for the right things? Listen, I know this is a weird message to preach, right? <laughs> This is a weird message to preach for the first of the year. Man, but I preach this because I want you to know that you all have an opportunity to advance this kingdom. Everybody does. So don't let another year go by with putting off what God has called you to. What are you living for? What are you living for? I'm going to give you a demonstration. Some of you guys saw me walk in with this rope. And 
I bought this rope on Amazon, and I didn't think it was going to get here, and I'm terrible with ropes. No matter what I do with a rope, it gets tangled, and I can't get this right, and this is the most frustrating thing ever. But anyway, we got this rope here. So this rope, let's, let's take for a second that this represents time, right? This is just infinite, infinite time, and this is our existence. We just keep living forever and ever and ever. You see this little red part here? This signifies our time on earth. We just have a few short years here on earth, and then we have eternity somewhere else. You guys feel me? You guys see where I'm going with this, right? And you see, this is the problem with this. So many people are consumed with this little red part, right? Am I going to eat good? Am I going to go on vacations? I, I want to have a nice job. I got to save, 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 save. So I can really enjoy this part right here, right? The sunset years of my life. We're consumed with this. We live for the red. What about this? What about all of this? Right? Because the Bible says what we do here is going to determine this. Right? So, so what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we living for the red? Are you living for the red part? Right? Not Paul. Paul says, man, I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking to the sides. And I know that there's a lot of temptation on every side. And, and I could go right. And I could go left. But man, I'm like a racehorse with blinders on. I'm looking forward. And I'm, I'm chasing the crown. Because, man, I'm going to meet God. I'm going to meet him. And I'm going to cross that finish line. Right? And I want to hear those words. Job well done, good and faithful servants. Job well done. What are you living for? What are you living for? I preach this message because I pray that conviction is brought upon you. That we just don't live for the red part. But that we truly live a life in surrendering and serving Jesus. Right? Because at the end it's not going to be, good job, prophet. Well, that's a whole other preaching. Good job, bishop. Good job, pastor. At the end it's going to be, job well done, my good and faithful servants. <laughs> Kingdom people do not live for the red. We live in the red, okay? So catch this, but our citizenship is of another kingdom. And while we are here, we are called to be different. We are called to be set apart. So take a look at your life. What is setting you apart from this world? The reality is this, and I'm preaching to myself 100%. For far too long, I have stayed stagnant in a gift that God has given me. For far too long, I didn't handle the gift that God had given me correctly. For far too long, I have walked in fear. For far too long, I have walked in doubt. For far too long, I have walked feeling unworthy. For far too long, I was listening to the wrong people. And for far too long, I ignored what God was trying to speak to me. Who will you be in 2021? You have a new opportunity, right? And know this, you don't have to wait for a new year to jump into an opportunity. We know this, right? You know, opportunities are every single day. God does not have a timetable. There is no timetable. Oh, New Year's, okay. Well, you, you know, Charlene was talking about it. We got, everybody's got resolutions. Why don't you start the resolution now? Well, why do you have to wait for a new year? You don't have to wait for an opportunity or for a new year to start a new opportunity. Start now. Start now. Who will you be? Will you be a person on that day standing before the Lord ready to give an account and say, Lord, I know that you gave me a gift. 
but I was scared. I didn't want to take the risk. And now I'm standing here before you making every excuse. That's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. Or would it be, Lord, yes and amen. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this opportunity because I am a kingdom person. I will use this opportunity. I will utilize this opportunity. I will honor this opportunity all for your glory. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So church, glorify him in your opportunity. Glorify him with what he has given you. And I leave you with this challenge and with a set of questions. The questions. What has gone on for far too long in your life that needs to be put to death? What needs to be revived? What are you doing with your opportunity and who will you be in 2021? And the challenge is this, is to run the race with perseverance. 1 Corinthians 9.24, do you not know that in a race all of the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Don't give up. Many will run, but not all will obtain the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Stay focused in the opportunity that God has placed before you. Can we say yes and amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Rico, if you could come up here. Man, and I just want to end in prayer. And I'm going to pass it over to the pastor. I'm sure he has some things he wants to share. Lord, we come before your throne today, Father God. Lord, because we know that in our Christian walk, an opportunity is placed before us, Lord. An opportunity to love someone, an opportunity to serve someone, an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to this world. So, Lord, today we declare, Father God, that we do not stay stagnant in a Christian walk, Lord. Lord, but that we are so set on fire for things of your kingdom, Lord, that people know that we carry ourselves different, that we act different, Lord, that we speak different. That there is a different different heart within us, Lord, that sets us apart from this world, Father God. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this body today, Father God, that this word may have pierced hearts in here today. So, Lord, we give you all of the honor, all of the glory, and together we say yes and amen, amen man. God Hallelujah. bless you guys. Amen. With that said, Happy New Year. Um, it's a message, and I think Omar's right, in which I don't think many churches will open up their ear with. Many people would want to share something like that. But I think it's such a needed message. It's such a reminder of the purposes of God's children here on earth. Amen? If, we, if you could just real quick um, put up Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read from the New Living that's what I have here today in front of me. Um, let's go to verse 1, and we'll read out from there real quick. I'm going to close up, and I'll share some more things on Opportunity 2021. It's almost like a, a code, right? Opportunity 2021. And we'll share a little bit on that next Sunday. But Omar said a lot of great things. The Holy Spirit, I believe, said a lot of great things uh, through Omar's message. How many of you can receive that and say there's something in me 
you know, when messages like that, I'm going to be very honest, when messages like that are shared, I pray that there's pieces of you that got bothered. Because thank you, Omar, for, for allowing, oh, that's like he got raptured up. Oh, no. <laughs> he was really on point. <laughs> oh, so I'll be like, let's all sit on our knees and confess our sins. But, um, but I thank you, Omar, because message like that, there's pieces of me that can get bothered. And sometimes I need something spoken that could bother me and that could really cause me to search deep within and bring forth conviction to say, wait a minute, there's truth in what he's saying. I, I looked at Tito and I leaned over and I said, or is it all our calling to live like John Chow? Or is it all of our callings to live like John Chow. Not that you're all called to go to remote places, but is it that boldness, that radicalness to the point of even if it's death? He talked about being gripped. There's a parable in the New Testament where Jesus talks about a few women, a few brides that were gripped. I've preached this message here before, uh, this passage, messages on this passage here before. And the reason why I love it, you, you know that every time we start off any teaching of Jesus with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, is very important. Because he's teaching us what home is, and we've gone over that. And in verse 1, he says the kingdom of heaven is like these ten bridesmaids. You already know where I'm going with this, right? He, they took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. But five of them were foolish. And the other five were wise. When Omar was preaching, I hope you caught that there was a part of foolishness and wisdom that the Lord was calling us into. And it was choosing whether we were going to be foolish with our lives or whether we were going to be wise with our lives. And there's ten brides that are preparing themselves for the bridegroom. Five were foolish and five were wise. In verse 3 it says, The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps but the other five they were wise enough to take along extra oil I, I hope you could see that that in verse 3 and 4 what's happening there is that within them five of them had something within them that the other five did not five of them had enough where the other five they weren't wise, they were foolish, and they didn't take enough. What they had, the substance of it, it wasn't overflowing. They thought that with what they had, it should be enough. But in this journey, they recognized that it was not. And they looked at the other five who were wise enough to take along extra oil. I look at these women and I say, well, these were women that were overflowing. These were women that were overflowing. The other women were women that thought they just had enough. And I, and I started to think about that and, the, and I started to say, man, how many times do we live with just, oh, well, this is enough. This is just enough. 
the, the, we're, 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 we have a relationship with the bridegroom or the bride and we know he wants to meet with us and what we carry within, it's, we feel like, oh, well, this, this is just enough. And, and then there's these other five that are like, no, what I have is not enough. I'm going to make sure that I'm overflowing. I want to make sure that I don't just have enough. I want to make sure that I have a lot, that I have much. And, and that's a, a different kind of mentality with just living of, I just have enough for 2021. Or are you going to walk into this with saying, no, I'm not just going to have enough, but I'm going to have much in 2021. 21. I want to make sure that my oil is not just filled up for this journey, but I want to make sure that I have even more if the journey continues to go longer. I want to make sure that I don't just have enough. I want to make sure that I have more than enough. I want more, more than enough. I believe that the Lord is calling me to hold, to contain, to fill up my life, not just with enough, but to make sure that when someone's eyes are looked upon me and when the the groom sees me the bride he will say wow you weren't just prepared with enough but you were prepared with much more than just enough so the bridegroom delays in this story and it says that they became tired and they became drowsy and they fell asleep And I said, what a bad time to fall asleep. What a bad time to become drowsy. Because you know he's coming. Like seriously, I could pause here for a moment and ask you guys, how many of you know he's coming? And how many of you know that these are days that we're living that is just such a foolish decision to become drowsy? What a foolish decision to become or to have fallen asleep during this time. At midnight, they were awakened and they were by a shout. In verse 6, it says, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids, they got up and they prepared their lamps. And the bridegroom calls us home. When the bridegroom has drawn near and we start to prepare as we get ready to stand before him. It says, as they got up and prepared their lamps, five foolish ones asked the others, please, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. And the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready, I think that's such an important part of this scripture here. Those who were ready, they went in with him. They went into the marriage feast the door was locked and later the other five bridesmaids returned and they stood outside and they began to call out Lord, Lord open the door for us but he called back and he says believe me I don't know you so you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return such an amazing parable this story because what do you get you might look at this and say well you know what those five 
bridesmaids who had much more, they were very greedy with what they had. They could have given them some oil. But until you don't recognize that this scripture is not necessarily about giving the gospel to someone. How many of you read the scripture and you thought that these five bridesmaids that weren't giving oil were just selfish? They weren't selfish. All ten of them were bridegrooms. All ten of them received the what? The invitation to get married. All ten of them received the gospel. What they were asking for in the other five women was something that was given through devotion, through intimacy. And what I have within me from the, for the Lord and from the Lord, you can't give that to someone until they themselves received that from their own time with the Lord. They were all ten bridesmaids. Just five had much more. And the other five recognized that they felt empty. An opportunity was given to all ten of them. Opportunity was given to all of them, but five of them took a different responsibility than the other five. The, the, one, the first five says, no, 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 we're not just going to make sure we live with just enough. We're going to make sure that there is more than just enough, that we're overflowing with this stuff. And that comes from a place of knowing the bridegroom. That comes from a place where the position of the bride, they recognize what the groom is looking for. They, they're living in a place, place of intimate and devoted moments with their bridegroom where the other five missed it and said, just give us what you have. And they're like, you can't get this from us. Go somewhere and try to find it, but you're not, you're not going to be able to find this here. This is for us and for us only and for the Lord as he comes. And you start to look at this and you listen to Omar's message and, and you start to read this and you're like, well, Lord, this is exactly what I want to be. This is exactly what you're calling us to be. We want not just to have enough oil to light up our lamps. We want to take along extra oil so that our lights could continue to shine bright in the journey that we are in so that when you present yourself to us and when we present ourselves to you, you could say the words that are opposite than the ones that weren't prepared, that were not ready, that you could look at me, that you could look at us, and that we could hear you say, believe me, I do know you. Believe me, I do recognize you. Lord, that we will live a life that is not sleepy or drowsy because you're delaying or because we're tired or because we're weary or because the days are difficult, but that we, even in the difficulty of days, that that could do something in us to light up the fire, to continue to fill it up with oil, that we will continue to shine, that regardless if the delay is here and though the moments are crucial, the light that is in me will continue to burn because there's an oil that is still contained. There is a Holy Spirit within me that is still alive. There is something that is still revving, even though outside everything seems perishing. I will be prepared. I am ready so that when I stand before him and he before me, we could hear each other and say, believe, believe, I do know you. I do recognize you so that I will live in a constant feast with my beloved all the days of all eternity for the rest of my being that I would not be without but that I will always have much much of what is eternal much of what is oil much of what is heavenly much of what he desires 
for us to have much of. Amen. What makes a man go to the middle of a tribe in India and say, I'm going to go into this island regardless of what happens to me? He had to have been in prayer. He had to have been sold out, so in love with his beloved that he made a decision for himself. If it's worth, if it's dying for Christ, it's worth my life. Whatever the cause, I'm, I'm not coming out. I'm going to stay in there so that they could see Jesus through my life. Many people from the outside would say, well, that's foolish. You know, he could have done it in so many different ways. He's not the only man to have done this. Many others have died taking the same steps he's done. Many men have died doing this. There's many stories and many books, many movies made and written about men and women that have gone to remote places to share the gospel when it cost them their lives. But as we close up this service, I start to think about this and I say, what would make a man do such a thing? What would cause such actions from an individual? And the only answer I could say, it's not that he's foolish. It's not that he didn't have any sense. I truly believe it's because his life, he had encountered, experienced, and have, have, has taken hold of his inheritance of so much that it was worth his his life here on earth, he didn't care because he wasn't on a suicidal mission. He was on a, on a salvation mission. Jesus wasn't on a suicide mission. He was on a salvation mission. And sometimes we see that in scripture, in Jesus' own life, it was his own life to bring salvation. And in this man and in many other men, it was their own life that would bring hope to a whole community. He said, what would cause men like him or like other men like with the Wadini tribe that killed those four missionaries. What, what would it be about them? And I could only say it was because their lamps were filled with oil. Their lamps were filled with such oil. They had a grace about them that sometimes it's hard to understand. That they could say what I hold inside is so much more than my external life. That I am willing to die for the things within me. I am willing to die for the things that I hold inside of me. I am gripped by something so heavy. I am gripped by something so beautiful that I am willing to die for that which has gripped me. I am willing to die for the oil that's in me. I'm willing to die for this thing. I'm willing to die for this person that has gripped me. That I'll put my life there on the line. Because the world outside has lost its grip on me. And I will be obedient to that within me which is alive. And which I've encountered. And I'm going in. And if the Lord allows me to come out, I'll be back out. But if not, I'm going in. Regardless, I'm counting the cost. I'm taking the risk. But I'm making this decision. Because of that which lives inside of me. That's the only answer I could give you of why a man like this would do this. Lord, as I stand before those watching on, on their screens and as I stand before those that are here present, I pray that we would examine our hearts right now. 
This is a beautiful year that you've given us. 2021, so many cliche and interesting things were said about 2020 and so many things happened in our, that many have not experienced in their whole lifetime just in one year or just in 10 months, nine months. But 2020 had a way of really bringing vision to our lives. Maybe it wasn't a coincidence that it happened in 2020. Maybe it's because you have a different calendar and you tend to speak to us with numbers and dates. And maybe 2020 was a place in which you really grabbed us, your people, and you're calling us to look at things differently. You're calling us to realign our lives. We started this year, 2020, last year, when this whole thing happened, Lord, we, we started with, wait a minute. This is because if people are doing church on a Sunday better than they're doing church at home Monday through Saturday, then something's wrong, so you took us back home. And for many people, they have to recognize that it's, it's pointless just to come and do church good here in a building. If we're not even doing good, if we're not even doing church good at home, if our very own family can't even stare looking at our faces, our very own spouses can't even stand our presence, our very own children can't even respect us because the word of God is not even established in our home, because worship does not fill the atmosphere of our homes, because outside of us just having a, a floor mat that says this house serves the Lord, if it wasn't for that, no one that would enter the home would not even recognize that that is the people of God. But you've allowed 2020 to really align ourselves to really focus on things and see things that really matter. People have seen family different, have seen relationships different. People have finally seen government different. People has, have seen friendships different, all these different things. And we could recognize the true things that matter. The things that really weigh, the things that really count for all eternity. That Lord 21 would be a year, not that we have to learn again from everything, but that we would have learned already from this last year. And that 21 would be just what Omar was saying, that it would be a year that we would take on the responsibility, that we would take risks, that we would take action. It does not just mean within this ministry, but it means our ministry unto you. That the ministry unto Christ will continue and that it would be bolder than it's ever been that it will be brighter than it's ever been, louder than it's ever been, firmer than it's ever been, deeper than it's ever been, stronger than it's ever been. Maybe it's less, but maybe there's more in it. I pray, Lord God, that you would fill us with such oil that we would walk into it with our lights burning, that we would not get drowsy and fall asleep, but that, Lord God, even in the moments of rest, the light that's in us would always be flickering. That even if we do rest, that Lord, the, that you would shine, that your oils would fill, and that there would be a message, that there would be a, 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 an eternity, a home that is alive and that is speaking deep within us. I thank you, Lord, because you're doing a work in all of us and it's an ongoing work. It's a, it's a, 
work of sanctification, of holiness. It's not a work that you started and you finished when it first came to us, but it's a, a continual work that we're different today than we were when we started last year. Sometimes we could look at it from a negative perspective and say, oh my God, I've grown old. I've aged this last year. I have more wrinkles. I have more gray hairs. This last year has really played a toll and it has on a lot of people. But that, Lord, we would enter this year and that we could say, I'm wiser this year. Amen. I'm stronger this year. I'm bolder this year. I'm more sure than ever this year. I'm firm this year. My oil runs. The oils of heaven runs deep this year. I thank you, Lord, for the years, the year of 2020 and the work that it's done in all of us. But what work would it, would it really have, what work did it really do unless we begin to show the fruit of it now? begin to live it out right now that we would take on opportunity 2021 and that we would raise the banner of Christ like never before together and privately in our own lives in our own homes and that Lord your bridesmaids would be standing prepared for the bridegroom your bridesmaids prepared before your bridegroom we take on the burden of having the lamp to always shine because you give the oil, you give the grace, you give the anointing, you give that which will cause it to always shine bright. It's not in my work, I'm just, I'm holding the lamp. It's gripped me and I've gripped it. But you provide the oil that continues to allow it to shine. May I never cease running to the fountain where that oil is found and may that oil always be enough for this light to always shine may I take on the opportunities that have been given to me for this year and may I make all of heaven proud may I make the father in heaven smile down Jesus may the generations that follow me that follow us may they have footsteps to follow words to live by because of the roads that we'll pay for them lord we love you we thank you and we praise you for such a beautiful morning we thank you for omar's message today that you've given him given him to share to us let us not live for the red life the red piece of that rope but like he said the rest of it our mind would be on the rest of that that we would search deep the depth and the length of that rope and that there we would find a love like never before. Hallelujah. Come on, can you just stand with me and just pray there where you're at for a moment? Come on, if you could pray, just start praying for Jessica's father who had some more complications and he had to go back to the hospital. Just lift him up right now. Pray for Claudia. She's watching us right now and she has some more pains that she's really trying to figure out what it is that's going on with her. Maybe you're on YouTube or something and you could just write down what you need prayer for. Maybe everyone that's in that community right there, as you pray for these, just start praying for whatever is being written there. Hopefully some people there could just write some things that they need prayer for. And, and right there where you're at at home, begin to pray over those things. Come on, release your prayer. Release your, 
release your release depth to the Lord release intercession cry out maybe there's things deep within you that you just need to cry out can you do that right now come on do that at this moment that speak before us that try to entice us confuse us come to oppose us we come against them and we rebuke them we cast them out we rebuke lies we rebuke opposition that tries to even destroy our homes our families our our friendships this house remove it remove it remove it remove it remove it that no work of darkness will ever be able to prevail over the things and over the ones who are of light that darkness would shatter i'm i'm thinking about disintegrate that they would just disintegrate before the presence of those that are light that the light would begin to lay hands on the sick and the sick would be healed that hospital rooms would have a solution and that the solution the antidote would be the remnant the people of God laying hands and saying that the Lord healeth thee and that they would be made well i pray lord god that there would be lame men and women that would be able to pick up mats again and be able to walk and not only that but sin no more which is the greatest miracle lord Come on, come on, pray. If you're going to do this year right, pray, 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 pray.
pray for someone that, that's not here right now and you could just think of them. Just pray for them with all your heart. Pray, with, pray from the depth of your being maybe for some of these people. Someone that, the, that maybe God has laid in your heart, someone that you've been speaking to maybe and they have something that's going on with them. Maybe someone that's in depression, maybe someone that's sick, maybe someone that's just going through something at home, but whatever it is that you've just spoken to someone and, and maybe they're not present right now. Maybe it's someone that's present and you could just wrap your arm around them and pray with them and come in agreement, but maybe maybe it's a family member who doesn't is not here, doesn't come here, but you could just lift them up because, because the Lord is here, the bridegroom is here standing before his bride release whatever it is just intercede right now as we start off this year Lord that there's a prayer deep within that you would hear it yes Lord hear the prayer of your people Pray for boldness. Pray for faith like never before. Lord, increase. Holy Spirit, fill me. Baptize me. Like let, let the waters overflow. Let it go over my head. Over my head, Lord. Over my head. Let me be taken by the current of your waters. Let me not go through the current of this world. Be moved by the current of this earth, but moved by the current of heaven, Lord. Fill me, fill me. Let the waters overflow. Give me more faith. Give me more boldness, Lord. Oh, Lord, give me the vision that I need to, to endure this year. Give me the words I need to speak this year into this year and words that I need to listen to for this year. Give me the thoughts that I need to ponder and of throughout this year, Lord. Come on, Lord, just let this be a, a year of all years, Lord, for your kingdom, a year of all year for the church globally, Lord God, a year of all years, Lord God, that this would be a year of harvest, Lord God, a year of plentiful, Lord, a year, Lord God, that lamps are running over, Lord, that oil is overflowing. Let this be a year, Lord God, a year of breakthrough, Lord. Let this be a year like no other, Lord. Use us in the midst of it, Lord. Here we are, here we are. Use us, Lord.
continue to be in prayer, amen. I've asked our sister Lucy if she could just pray into this year and, and to close off our time together just praying into this year. And uh, just this, let's come alongside her and let's just pray and believe, amen. for you, Lord. We want to thank you, Father, for bringing us to this day, Lord, to another year, Lord. We are so blessed, Father. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, Father, for bringing us this far, Lord. Thank you for your precious blood that covers us each day, Lord, and guides us and gives us wisdom and renews our strength to continue on, Father. That same light that you have given us today, Lord, we pray today that we we'll never, never shut off, Lord. Let us be that candle that will burn each day, Lord, to do your will, Lord anoint us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, my Lord. Give us the boldness, Lord, to do your will, Father, because today we're here because of your purpose, because what you have done to us this whole year, Lord, you have filled us, Lord God. You spoke to me last night, Lord, Thank you for that candle you told me to lit up to remind me that that light of that candle is us, Lord. That that oil that's burning within us is to be used for your kingdom and your glory. This year, Lord, continues to prepare us, Lord, to continue, Father, to do your will. Thank you for your word today, Lord. Thank you for the powerful, powerful Holy Spirit that burns within our belly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that this year, Lord God, will be for your honor, for your glory. We want to thank you for our pastor, Lord, for the head of our protection here. I pray that your oil will burn from the top of his crown to the bottom of his feet, to him and his family in this house, that you have prepared to do many, many, many things. Thank you, Lord, and we ask you today, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do within us and what you have prepared before us. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 We have a beautiful opportunity. Amen. Soon I'm going to be making um, some phone calls and going over some things that the Lord has put in my heart. Um, 
um, especially, I don't want to necessarily say it's for this year, but but uh, just for this moment that we're in. And uh, I'm just going to run some of these things. And, and it's really been a call to, uh, uh, I haven't really shared it. Maybe I've, I've, I've flirted with it. Maybe, maybe only two people, but I haven't really mentioned it. But soon we'll be talking about more of what that would look like. Uh, as sometimes we've done a fast, sometimes um, we've done different things like that to start off a year. But one day I was in my backyard and I was in prayer there in the backyard and I felt real strongly that the Lord was asking us of this. So we're probably going to be doing it in February. So next week or the week after we'll start talking about it where it's going to be dealing with prayer as the Lord has been stirring that within me. Um, so I just, I just uh, pray that as we start the year, like in February, we do something like this, that it would uh, just really be re something really special. I pr I believe that the Lord is gonna is really um, igniting something that deals with prayer. He wants to ignite, he wants to do something that deals with prayer in our church. Amen. So whatever that means, just pray into it, and, um, and we'll hear from the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful time. I, uh, we love you all. Thank you all for being here. Thanks to those that are, that are watching. I'm excited for what God is going to be doing. We have um, awesome things upcoming this month, whether it's men's, women's, more, and all these great things. We'll also be back next Sunday. I'm going to continue. We'll see how long we go. I don't have a number of thoughts for a series yet, but I'm sure it's going to become a series, and we're going to just continue on this for next Sunday, Opportunity 2021, and uh, just spend maybe the the month of, uh, of January, just talking about opportunities for 2021, amen? And we'll see what God does with it. I believe it's going to do something special. So I love you all. Have a fruitful, restful, needed Sunday, amen? And amen. Um, give each other some love. Give each other some love. <clears throat> uh, text someone, call someone, maybe someone that's not here, just, uh, just to tell them you love them, you know, and just to say, you know, you missed them just to encourage someone throughout this week maybe it's someone from the house someone you haven't seen in a while maybe it's someone that you just think of and uh, be a light be an encouragement um, maybe pray for someone call someone I heard something beautiful today when I walked in that one of our sisters I asked I said uh, so how was your new year's and this sister looked at me and says I mean it was good I stayed home and at 11 o'clock another sister called me and we prayed from 11 into the new year and that's how we spent our New Year's, just praying together. And I said, wow, that's special, amen? So call someone, pray with someone, love on someone. And let God just uh, continue to use you and where you're at right now. May your oils not just be enough, but may they be, may your lamps, not, may, may they not just have enough, but may they always be filled with more than enough, amen? Have an awesome Sunday. Thank you, Omar, for being obedient with that word. I was, I was, uh, it was, it was hurtful at times, but much needed. It was a blessing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thanks for hurting me bad, brother. Thanks for, thanks for hurting me good. Thanks for hurting me good. That was a good hurt. Love you guys. Remember three words. Amen. You are loved. Come on, let's give a hand to the Lord and to the worship team. Thank you, guys.